Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to the Raw Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by Michael Hamper and Phil Chambers from What Culture to review the Raw after WrestleMania. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts, where we not only review Raw but also SmackDown, NXT 2.0, oh. AW Dynamite, AW Rampage pay-per-views premium live events we have interviews round table discussions and a round of the week complete with a very good quiz of course on wrestle culture as i said though joined by hamlet and phil to review the raw after wrestlemania and this is quite possibly the weirdest raw review we have ever done because this raw review is taking place on a plane <laughs> now i'll be honest we didn't plan this initially uh, the plan was to record the raw review after monday night now of course but we did our filming outside the American Airlines Center on Monday night, and, well, then the weather changed somewhat, it's fair to say. There was a torrential downpour. I think there was threats of a tornado. We had to take shelter in a bar. You know how it is. Um, and due to a variety of issues, technical difficulties, we're recording it now on our flight back from Dallas, back to the UK. Um, this is absolutely surreal. It's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Yeah, don't um, understate the weather conditions for anybody that doesn't live in Texas and isn't used to this regularly anyway. Um, it was torrential rain enough that footage that I managed to get on the internet is being seen in Tokyo and Texas itself on local affiliate news. The rain was bouncing off the ground. And I think this podcast is going to be so memorable, many people will be asking, what about the altitude era when we go back to doing them on solid ground again? Um, ideal, really, to be on a plane talking wrestling with you because this feels slightly more interesting than the bulk of the episode of the show that we watched last night. <laughs> I'm really sad now that I don't have a joke pre-prepared for this. Um, but yeah, I mean, we've recorded some podcasts in some strange places over this time. We did one in a bar the other day. Um, and yeah, why, why not end this amazing weekend by recording on a plane? We've got to get the content out somehow, so let's do it here. Why the hell not? Yes, it's, uh, it's, been a, it's been a wild few days. Um, so, yeah, apologies for some issues with the sound quality. Like I said, we're recording it on a mic shoved into Phil's phone on an aeroplane. Um, and we've got to wear our masks, of course, whilst we're doing it as well. So it might sound slightly muffled. But let's dive straight into the Raw after WrestleMania. Because as Hamlet said, it was 
I think it's fair to say, a little bit all over the shop. Um, and we'll give a bit of an overview maybe at the end. We'll run through the show to start with and then give our thoughts on the whole thing of the legacy of the Raw after WrestleMania afterwards. We started this show with Cody Rhodes, of all people, coming out to an incredible reaction, just like we saw, uh, of course, on night one of WrestleMania 38. He uh, cut a promo talking about the star that left them in the dust. Uh, and he talked about his destiny, he referenced his father. There was a, a photo of his father from, was it 1977, I believe? In Madison Square Garden with the world title. Uh, as we anticipated with Cody, he gets emotional talking about all this. Um, and he talked about wanting to win the world title for his family, win it for his dad. Um, and he was interrupted by the man he faced at WrestleMania on night one. Seth Rollins in a ridiculously ostentatious pink suit. Um, no words are exchanged, just a handshake. Uh, a tease of things to come. And in terms of a welcome to our the Raw after WrestleMania Monday Night Raw sort of thing, I thought this was a hell of a way to start the show, Hamlet. Yeah, it was realistically the highlight of the whole episode, being quite honest. It was the thing that felt the most like you were actually at a Raw after WrestleMania. That's been the common criticism for a few years now and it's at this point been so normalised that I don't think it'll be a conversation anymore the Raw after Wrestlemania is an episode of Monday Night Raw nothing more nothing less but Cody is still special Cody is still weird all of this happening is still awesomely insane and I think that's what this offered um, this was a great promo from Cody Rhodes he did all the Cody hits he got the the crack in his voice would you believe when he uh, spoke about his family when he spoke about his legacy all that sort of stuff People love that about Cody. I was never a fan on Dynamite, so I'm not prepared to flip the script just because he's doing it on Man in Night Raw. But, you know, there's an element of his act that people adore when he does that, so fair play. Um, but teasing wanting to win the belt is pretty good stuff. Um, today it's broke that apparently Cody has got a certain amount of control over his deal, some creative control perhaps over what he's going to do in WWE, unlike what most others have. And he's calling his shot now. Um, this tonight could be a 12-month WrestleMania build without saying as much you know the show ended with a champion has it started with the guy that will eventually dethrone that champion it's Cody Rhodes as he kind of alluded to really he sort of called his shot we don't know when but in his mind it's an inevitability he's done the old thing he's made himself undeniable and when the title shot comes he's going to put himself in the group of people he's wanted to be with since his dad couldn't make it a very very nice linking of the Rhodes legacy to why this remarkable event has occurred yeah, absolutely. I think, like, the biggest takeaway for me from this whole segment is, like, we've discovered the kind of Cody we're going to get in WWE, and it's just Cody. It's exactly what Cody's been doing in AEW uh, these past few years. It's the same character. He's coming out with his suit. He came out with his ridiculous gear at Mania. Um, he wrestled a very Cody match, and now he's cut a very Cody promo. It's going to be the Cody Rhodes that we all know and love from AEW just in WWE, and that's the best thing that you could possibly do with it. Um, I think... And overall, like in terms of the show, I think they probably got the uh, opening segment and the ending segment maybe the wrong way around because I think like the way Roman, we'll get to it later on, but we're talking about like having no challenges or whatever and seeing what's next. Like if Cody was the last one, you could kind of bookend it with like uh, Roman saying there's no one, Cody coming out saying, well, what about me? It might have made for a bit of a hotter finish to the episode and a bit more of an interesting story going forward where as it is, it was almost a letdown that Cody didn't come out with the Roman Reigns segment at the end. Um, but whatever it is, uh, I really enjoyed the promo from Cody, and we're getting, we're getting Cody Rhodes in WWE. This is like a ridiculous moment. 
yeah, it's still not really sunk in, has it? Despite it's been a few days since he, he made his return and his, his entrance. It's slightly different entrance overall because it broke somewhat. Uh, but yeah, the fact that you're right, Phil, the fact we're getting Cody in WWE is a hell of an exciting prospect. And you're 100% spot on with the fact that this should have been the main event because it would have been difficult. He did the dark match, as you may have seen, with, with Kevin Owens with some lovely uh, insider references, let's say. Send the fans home happy, but uh, which yeah, which you can see on our YouTube channel, of course. Um, but yeah, very, very exciting. And uh, like you say, I don't know whether this is going to be the way they introduce a new world title on Raw or whether this, like you say, is, is him starting his path to, to Roman Reigns. Anyway, what we got next was a, a pointless tag match, to be perfectly honest, because it, it was a championship contender match, which, spoilers, the contenders lost and they got title match for next week anyway. It was Sasha Banks and Naomi, your new uh, women's tag team champions versus Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan. And to be honest, one of the most memorable things in the match, aside from the finish, was them dropping the DX theme halfway through. We thought that might have been someone accidentally pressing the button and revealing that we were going to get Triple H or Triple H and Sean later on in the show. It was actually some bollocks whilst they put on uh, an advert to get people to get excited in the crowd and do their best DX posters, basically. Anyway, the, the main story from this is just, yeah, surprise, surprise, Sasha Banks, really bloody popular. Uh, she was a great team with Naomi. She got a hot tag. Uh, she got a near fall off a Meteora. I love that move. Great to see it in person. Um, and in the end, they hit that. I don't really know what the name of the move is. I've written double team sort of code breaker. I know Sasha sort of hits a code breaker and Naomi hits a sort of slam. But they hit that. They got the one, two, three on Liv Morgan and post-match there was a, a moment let's say with Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan potentially teasing a split which we sense we're probably yet we'll talk about this on the Raw preview next week of course we sense it's probably the beginning of the end of that team and yet later on in the show Hamlet they just went oh no I had to leave because I had to go and chase down Postman Pierce to get us a world title match despite the fact that we lost our contender match yeah this contender match problem has no real solution so why have the problem in the first place they probably should have won in order to get a title shot. But if they had have won, there would have been a reasonable argument that you killed the champions first night out. They beat champions enough. There is no win here. Don't set matches up this way. Maybe have Rhea and Liv win and show a bit of dissension or something like that, but still get the title shot. But no, they kind of just took the Route 1 uh, journey to next week's match, which, as you say, I think they'll inevitably lose. That's been teased. They feel as good as split up already, the way that Rhea was looking at Liv. The DX thing was insane, man. Just a little bit more on that, because I don't think there's much meat on the bones of the match otherwise. They do um, the kiss cam now, but instead of kissing, I guess in post-COVID world perhaps, it's all taunts of wrestlers uh, to hype people up. Only none of them are modern ones. So the reason we heard the DX music was because they're encouraging all the families in the building to gesture for you to suck their penis. Um, the Undertaker impressions with the rolled eyes and the tongue out. Um, John Cena was another one. It's a great concept but it highlighted weirdly that they haven't got any stars that you would want to mimic right now. You know, you can't put a camera around on the crowd and turn yourself blue all of a sudden. It's the edge cam. <laughs> um, so yeah, like this DX distraction thing was a, not the first of recent fairly major like production flubs. It won't have been caught on television, so in a sense it won't matter, but it clearly threw the wrestlers off and it threw the fans off too. The wrestlers worked very hard to get them back in. I think that's the most credit you can pay to a TV match with a really like, the ultimately was rendered redundant, what, like half an hour later? Yeah, this is dumb. <laughs> uh, the whole contender thing, like you say, it needs to go, and it needs to go right away now. It makes no sense. It acts like I, it's not made sense since the beginning they started doing it, and then all of a sudden they got obsessed with doing it, and now they're doing it all the time. 
Um, it needs to go, they need to put more care into the women's division, they need to actually write stories, maybe. Maybe then people might care about these matches. Um, and they need to give them more time. Like giving them like two or three minutes on TV all the time, it just, it's, it's not making anyone care, it's not making anyone tune in. No one's there for the women's tag division at all. And you've got bloody Sasha Banks and Naomi as your tag champions now, and you're absolutely wasting them with just piff like this. It's, uh, it's ridiculous, and it needs to stop. Then Kevin Owens came out. We got a hell of a reaction, of course, with what went down with him and Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, and there was, for the once, you know what? What chance? I'll allow it. And this is the only occasion I will allow it because he worked so brilliant with it, as he has done throughout this weird feud that they've had. And he admitted that he may have made a mistake um, challenging Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, although you could sort of see in his face that he's just so bloody chuffed that he's going to always have that on his resume. Uh, he uh, admitted he had a back injury against Stone Cold Steve Austin. He could have pulled it out, but he, he, he got it out for the fans uh, and got the reaction to expect for uh, that sort of a confession. And then he was interrupted, Michael Hamlet, by Ezekiel. Who is Ezekiel, I hear you all ask? That is Elias's younger brother. Elias's clean-shaven, or yeah, certainly less bearded younger brother, in orange gear with no top on. And we were so confused. For a split second when Ezekiel popped up, we all kind of agreed, Simon Miller included. Is this Ezekiel Jackson's return? Uh, it wasn't, though. Um, and they, they addressed the elephant in the room by Ezekiel saying that he's not Elias, he's his younger brother. We get a yes you are chant. Um, there was a typical WWE writer zinger in there where Kevin Owens got more and more flustered with him, called him all the names under the sun that's not Ezekiel basically, which got a few huge babs. Um, and he said, you know what, I don't like liars. And then Ezekiel shot back with, well if you don't like liars, you must not like yourself. Got him. Got him. Yes, uh, and then he, there was a you got stunned chant and then Kevin Owens confronted a, a Ezekiel, said you got 10 seconds to leave your ring, gave him a countdown and then when he didn't get out of the ring, Kevin Owens just left himself. This was hilariously weird. I think it took a performer of Kevin Owens to get this over, but I want to be kind to this because everyone was confused at what they saw when Elias walked out of the ring and you could clearly see it was him and, you know, because it wasn't clear at first, as you say, the big Z confusion. Um, but through a little bit of force of will of the dodgy it's not me it's my brother material and Owen's performance and his selling of the whole thing and his gradual and escalating frustration and then indeed appearing to be threatening only to be the total opposite and bottle a fight with this admittedly very chiseled and athletic looking guy I think this ultimately can be considered a success a minor one, but a success. In terms of repackages, and there was a couple on this show, or there was a couple of things going forward that we were, you know, this, as you get the post-WrestleMania start about something new, I thought this was far from the worst. Um, Ezekiel was debuting on a roll where somebody debuting had basically been a meme for the past six months. So for him to have generated any conversation is quite impressive. And again, it just capped off an all-timer general weekend for Kevin Owens. He's done amazing things in his career this weekend. And I, I w w in WWE's ups and downs, you, you wonder if he'll ever have a weekend as good as this again, quite honestly. But another tremendous night for Owens. And there was still more from him to come. Yeah, absolutely. Like you say, I don't think anyone else could have managed to pull off this segment other than Kevin Owens. He worked perfectly with it. And the way he played off the name thing and just kept on getting his name wrong throughout it. It was all great. Um, 
I mean, Ezekiel, I guess is his name now, uh, has been spending some time getting jacked while he's been away, it seems. Um, he's a lot bigger than he was as Elias. Uh, and I just, I'm ready to see where this goes, because yeah. it's just a little bit weird. And I like a little bit of weird sometimes in my wrestling. There's space for it everywhere. And if this somehow ends up in like a Las Conquistadors, Edging Christian kind of situation, where you never see Elias and Ezekiel in the same place, uh, but you see them both on TV and he's just wearing a big fake beard, I'm kind of down for that. I'm, I'm agreeing with both of you, yeah. I'm, I'm, it was preposterous, but I'll, I'm going to... As I've said always with WWE, just let it play out, guys. They are great at long-term storytelling. Then we got Dominic Mysterio versus The Miz. And in the time it's taken me to tell you what the match was, the match was over. Dominic got a tiny bit of offense in, reversed, dropped onto the top rope, throat first, and then hit with a skull-crushing finale. We all thought, well, that was a little bit weird. And then Dominic's getting cared for by his dad. And he finally comes. By that, I mean via. Veer is here on Monday Night Raw. He came out. Simon Miller's face was an absolute picture when this happened. And he came out, kicked ass, tortured Dominic Mysterio briefly, which I took some sort of weird pleasure in, if I'm perfectly honest. And uh, considering we had heard reports from, I believe, Fightful, uh, who'd seen the sort of running order and there was no mention of Veer, a pleasant surprise, this Hamlet. Yeah, it was weird, but the pop was huge. I think we'd both acknowledged that it was maybe bigger than Austin's pop when it had been him finally hit. Um, Dominic Mysterio pulled some funny faces in the hold um, by Veer. It was, it wasn't, huh. do you know what? I'm not high on this, I'm sorry. This was neither something or nothing other than the fact they actually paid off what they promised. Um, we, on the preview, talked about maybe they would go down the Broder's clear route. Maybe they would actually give him something big. This was neither here nor there. And this weekend alone, we've seen how hard it is to be a giant in wrestling currently when the scale has been upped yet again with someone like Omos. And he's going to feature prominently on this show. I'm not saying like all giants just do the same job in WWE. But currently right now, Veer and Omos do a pretty similar one. And when you see the way that Omos is coming on and how they've got clear plans for him, I worry a little bit for Veer coming in at this level and the whole thing being more like, being more cheesy than earnestly terrifying. Yeah, I think my favourite part of all of this is that Veer has waited like six months or however it is long to arrive on Raw. And then the moment he saw The Miz give Dominic one skull-crushing finale, uh, he was like, this is my moment. I've got him now, guys. That's, that's the move that's going to help me get over. Um, it's like there's been a thing in WWE for like ages now where if you want to cement yourself as a heel, you attack Rey Mysterio because he's like the ultimate in babyface. Uh, and it, that's never going to change. don't think it worked as much with Dominic, to be honest. Um, I think there could have been a lot more exciting things that you could have done with Veer, especially with the amount of anticipation um, for this debut. And it was just kind of there. And like a debut that's been hyped this much for so goddamn long really kind of shouldn't just be there. Yeah, he's facing Rey Mysterio on Raw next week, I believe. So we'll, uh, we'll see what's next. But at least he's, at least he's here about bloody time. And then we got a promo from Bianca Belair, and we all got a little bit excited because we saw them setting something up on the stage. Unfortunately, not offense to Bianca Belair, but unfortunately it was just her pyro to celebrate being the Raw Women's Champion. She was uh, oh, showcasing a horrific black eye. It was huge. Uh, we sort of saw it in her post-match celebrations that her eye was already sort of starting to close up uh, on night one of WrestleMania. She talked through about going through hell, though, to get her belt back and her feud with Becky Lynch. She said she'd face anyone in the back and we all looked at each other and thought 
Is this the time for Bailey? Is this the time for Asuka? It wasn't. It was a simple acknowledgement of her victory on Saturday. She's the Raw Women's Champion. She is the EST of WWE. And they got our hopes up here. But I wasn't too disappointed. Uh, you know, I'd have loved to have seen Bailey. I know you were you know, jonesing for it, Hamlet. But, you know, it's one of those things where they didn't... WWE didn't promise something and then not deliver it. It was just more hope than expectation. I think that's it, yeah. Um, it didn't under-deliver this because what was promised in the first place, Bianca Belair celebrating winning the title, there was nothing more, there was nothing less. The black eye was legitimately quite an impressive thing to use for what we assume will be one more match with Becky Lynch, maybe, at least, which is maybe why you don't bring Bailey and Asuka out right now. But I think the audience were wanting somebody brand new. They were wanting somebody to immediately challenge Bianca and make her realise that the, the new journey has only just begun sort of thing. Um, and we didn't really get that. It was a bit low effort, in truth. And uh, I think that's the reality of most of the show, was quite low effort. Um, nice for her, really, really nice for her. The eye, is, the eye is super cool, they'll get something out of it. But very little meat on the bone here beyond a nice moment that we kind of, if you were there at WrestleMania, you've sort of already had. Yeah, um, I think it's like kind of a theme of this show at the minute, of like not under-delivering because they didn't promise anything, yeah. but every single moment on the show or every single segment was just a little bit meh like it was just a little bit underwhelming yeah. if anything like you wanted to set up something like the next big thing what's coming next and it did none of that and I think I mean I got myself a little bit overexcited when I saw the things going out on the stage and I was like oh yeah. maybe it's the Bailey Buddies yeah. that we pitched on the Raw preview like if Bailey comes out with the Bailey Buddies and the old music and gets the huge pop and then takes the ponytails out and yeah. smashes Bianca Belair and goes ah, I got you you idiots that would have been like incredible and that would have been a moment like a proper moment in the world after Wrestlemania that people would remember and lead into the next big thing yeah. and we just got none of that kind of thing it's like it's nice for Bianca Belair she did the championship celebration it was fine she had a good promo but it just it just could have been better could have been yeah. more a lot can happen in the next three years like a chatbot maybe your new best friend but what won't change needing health insurance United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. 
Next up, we got the NXT Championship match between Dolph Ziggler and Bron Breaker. I really enjoyed this, I've got to say. Um, we uh, we got to enjoy the, the NXT title match, of course, at standing level. We thought that was when they were going to put the title back on Bron Breaker. And then they just randomly decided to do it on Monday Night Raw. Um, Breaker did all the hits of, well, his, his dad and his dad's brother, um... Nice belly-to-belly -belly early on from, from Breaker. Uh, Dolph, uh, yet again, with the help of uh, Robert Roode, take control. He crotched uh, Bron on the top rope, drop-kicked him off there, and he went out to the floor. Uh, we got Simon Miller's uh, preferred surprise roll-up, and uh, thankfully, Bron Breaker kicked out of that. He flipped to the outside to take Robert Roode out of the conversation. We got a near-fall off for a famouser, and there was an eye-rake, a super-kick, another near-fall for Dolph Ziggler. And then a huge spear on Dolph Ziggler by Bron Breaker. Hit him with his finisher. One, two, three. Bron Breaker regains the NXT Championship. And, yeah, more than deserved, I thought, Hanford. Yeah, it's a strange one, this. We'd obviously seen a crowd that actually wanted to watch this match yeah. not get what they wanted. And then we were in a crowd that didn't really know what they were watching see Bron Breaker have his big moment. I thought this was all really well executed. What was quite nice was that this actually rewarded super, super loyal NXT 2.0 hardcores. They did the exact same middle turnbuckle spot. Um, they played off a previous match. It was pretty simplistic, but it was nice that they did it all the same. And Bron got his moment. I wouldn't say this is a call-up. I wouldn't say this is any kind of tell of Bron Breaker's immediate near future. But NXT 2.0 is different now, and it serves, if nothing else, to get eyes on this new thing and have this new thing feed raw they're far more synergistic than they ever were oddly enough in the era of the black and gold brand so while all this sort of stuff is still odd it's actually way more in keeping with probably how they want to present nxt 2.0 now braun had a big night we probably all go back to normal on tuesdays going forward but the time will come when he will get called up and this will probably be called back upon when he does not anything that requires a lot of fanfare but far from like a bad time yeah, definitely. Um, sort of one of the better matches on the card. It just it's it's like you say with the whole giving the actual NXT 2.0 fans what they wanted to see versus <laughs> giving the raw fans what you wanted to see. And I think the crowd reaction kind of showed that. Like Bron Breaker when he came out, like he didn't exactly get a huge reaction, um, which I was surprised at because I thought like hardcore crowd at the Raw after WrestleMania would know a little bit more about these things. But I guess that goes to show the differences now between what NXT used to be. Um, in terms of tapping into that hardcore audience and to what NXT 2.0 is now. Um, but it'll be interesting to see what they do with Dolph Ziggler and Robert Roode going forwards now because there seems to be nothing for them <laughs> at the minute. So I assume they'll shove them into something. Yeah. Uh, and Bron Break will carry on in NXT, obviously. So, yeah, maybe hopefully it grabs some people down to NXT 2.0 to go check that out. But, yeah, it was just, yeah, it's fine. I want to give a bit of credit, actually, before we move on to Dolph Ziggler. I think he's been brilliant in what he's done in the last few months in NXT. Um, it just, you know, we, we said that this was the way it was probably going to play out in terms of hot potato in the title onto him to give Breaker that feel-good victory. We thought it was going to happen at Stand and Deliver on Saturday, but, yeah, it went down here. Like you say, Phil, I think probably it would have been received better on Saturday. But um, I think he's done a, a great job in... in just putting the fear of God into all of us that he was going to remain NXT champion, basically. And, uh, yeah, excited to see what happens next with, with NXT and, uh, and Bron Breaker as, as world champion. Then we got MVP, who was sort of conspicuous by his absence regarding uh, Bobby Lashley's match at WrestleMania. 
and he did all the, the pomp and ceremony of bringing out his, well, what he assumed was still his client, Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley comes out and cuts his own promo again, and I think we all thought at that point the writing's probably on the wall. He was interrupted by Omos, and then MVP betrayed Lashley. He attacked him, he beat him down. Omos laid him out, MVP berated. Lashley stood over him, and the babyface turn for Bobby Lashley seems to be complete and it's the right decision for me in terms of almost needs a mouthpiece and Bobby Lashley clearly doesn't anymore. Yeah, it was um, the whole building could see it before Bobby unfortunately, couldn't they? He was just so happy to be there with his big smile. Um, that was the first foreshadow and then everybody, all the pieces moved into the position for the turn but I don't think it was a bad one. MVP's individual performance was a lot of fun as well. It's like, oh, he did really well last night. And he didn't even need me. <laughs> and you could see that he felt a little bit hurt by that and a little bit offended by that. Um, and I, look, I think ultimately this is probably what every each three of these men needs right now. Bobby Lashley needs to have another crack at being the top babyface by himself. MVP needs something new to do because he has truthfully outlived his, his, his usefulness with Bobby Lashley. And almost probably needs a mouthpiece the gimmick probably needs a bit of a rethink the character needs a bit of a rethink he's a monster but he's just been slayed for the first time this allows them to kind of reboot that and restart that as we said earlier on another monster has appeared on the show so you feel like inevitably Omos and Veer are on a collision course I would fancy Omos's chances in truth with MVP in his corner again just because it felt predictable as soon as the guys got out there it didn't mean it was a bad thing this from memory was one of the things that got one of the bigger reactions it felt consequential it felt like oh new directions for people post wrestlemania so i don't know how well it'll turn out for all three but it was nice to see them all get something new to start the the new sort of wwe year yeah i think like a lot of our problems with this episode was that not a lot of it felt like it had a direction and then it was actually going somewhere like the bianca belair promo and the roman reigns thing at the end and this like actually felt like it did it felt like a, a new foot forward um, and it felt like there was an actual solid story that's going to come out of this and I think it's a really great move to pair MVP with Omos um, like he did a great job at rehabilitating Bobby Lashley when he yep. really needed it because before MVP he was doing all the Bobby's sisters and the <laughs> assault course with Sami Zayn and stuff like that um, and they did a great job at rehabilitating Bobby Lashley into a monster heel and the Hurt Business was great and like, but it's just Bobby doesn't need that kind of thing anymore um, and now with Omos he definitely does need a mouthpiece. Um, he's definitely not as confident on the mic or anything character-wise, and so I think it's a really, really great move all around going forward. Yeah, I'm just concerned this is the end for the Hurt Business, Hamlet. <laughs> what are we going to do without the Hurt Business? Look, we got to Raw, and the uh, main event was taking place when we arrived, um, and we heard the, uh, well, we heard what I thought was maybe Bobby Lashley's music, and then a quick skim through the little thing, exits where you can see to the seats was, I don't know, it's just Hurt Business graphic. And that was kind of all you need to know about the prestige of the Hurt Business at present. They were never to be, I don't think, in truth. Vincent Mann never liked them as much as everybody else did, pictures of them in their suits. Um, I don't know, maybe MVP will rebadge them with almost at the front of it instead <laughs> in six months when he's forgot he split them up twice before. Yeah, we'll always have those lovely photos they took after winning the title, so there's <laughs> yeah. that. Uh, anyway, then we thought we were going to get another version of the tag match that we've seen a million times with Natalia and Shayna Baszler taking on Carmella and Queen Zelina uh, but I'm worried that that's the end of Queen Zelina because she just talked like well Zelina Vega really here um, they split basically she uh, Zelina shot on Carmella um, you know pointing out something that all of us really think no one cares 
about Corey Graves and Carmella. Uh, but she flirted a little bit with Corey Graves, of course, on the road to Carmella and Corey's wedding, which is probably going to be a big part of the TV at some point. Can't wait for that one. And uh, yeah, they brawled and then Corey Graves and Carmella necked on. And I just, like, it was, it, we sort of knew this was coming when they lost the tag titles. And I just hope for bigger and better things for, for Zelina going forward. Yeah, um, this was as risible garbage as that review makes it sound. And I'm just glad it was short because I think if you'd have done that Queen Zelina voice one more time, we'd have been kicked off this plane <laughs> over whatever ocean we're currently sailing across. Um, aye, nonsense stuff, more YouTube promotion. I think um, Carmella and Corey Graves are getting married soon, and that's part of that. And I don't know, no, but has anybody got any time for this anymore? Sunrise, sunset on yet another makeshift tag team. <laughs> Not the first of tonight. Very little to add, other than to build on Phil's point about the the remaining abject state of women's wrestling currently in WWE. This was just another exhibition of what's not been working. And I hope because it was the end of something, it remains that way. And, you know, both women are great on their own terms. And it'd be nice to see them given a new direction as off the back of it. Yeah, it was pantsless. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quite simply, they threw this tag team together in the first place and it was really lazily written. And then they broke them up with a really lazily written story. Um, they really need to move away from this Carmella just wants to bang Corey Graves all the time storyline because it's just absolutely terrible early noughties diva nonsense. Um, and uh, Zelina Vega hopefully moves on to something else uh, and something bigger. We need to, if they're going to have a match at some point, get it over with really quickly. Do it next week and then move the hell on from this because it is not working. Uh, it's not engaging the audience. It's not good writing. It's not good wrestling. Um, so yeah, just get away from this as soon as humanly possible. Yeah. Uh, and it was sort of personified by the ad break in the next match featuring a Corey Sucks yeah. chant from everyone in attendance and we should mention here as well the Seven Nation Army chant for Pat McAfee. It is so over. But not to dismiss what happened next. It was the six-man RK Brew and uh, Finn Balor versus the Usos and Austin Theory. An enjoyable little match this, I thought, you know, it's sort of par for the course for for Monday Night Raw this. Everyone hit some big moves, and in the end, uh, Austin Theory got the pinfall on US champion Finn Balor, hitting the ATL for the one, two, three. I was gonna do a gimmick about, what about the legacy of the United States Championship? <laughs> but I'm not gonna do that, because I think Austin Theory versus Finn Balor, because they've done it a little bit already in the weird build to Theory and, and McAfee, could be quite enjoyable for the title. That could be something interesting for WrestleMania Backlash. But yeah, a word on the, uh, on the popularity of that chant and Pat McAfee as well, Hamlet. Oh man, like the chant and Pat McAfee is the difference between what I felt uh, at WrestleMania watching him wrestle versus what I felt watching Austin Theory, in truth. Theory was perfectly good. Uh, this was a, another cromulent victory over Finn Balor, his sixth in a row or something like that. I don't know what I, I, you know, he's just beating him and beating him and beating him like a drum. He's probably going to be the US champion. I'm not sure any of that title stuff really matters. Rash was good. Um, this is the second taste of the Randy Orton hot tag live, oh. which is something I will very much miss. Um, WWE will the day that they're not doing matches with it in because it's such a, a cheat code, isn't it? It's such an easy thing for them to go to, but it works every single time. Um, yeah, man. Pat McAfee uh, flying home immediately after WrestleMania was sad. There were several stars that I would have loved to have had one more glimpse at before we travelled home. But he was on that short list. Um, it'll be great to have him on, back on SmackDown. I don't think Vince McMahon should have pinned him. I don't think that's a particularly hot take, in truth. I think um, they've got something very special with him, if they want it. Uh, Austin Theory's already become an early new opponent for him. 
But yeah, McAfee feels like the real deal, even if it's going to take a bit of time and he's only going to be, for now at least, uh, a special occasion guy. Yeah, um, I think the match in general, was like, it was typical sort of WWE six-man tag fair, but yeah. that's always fun. Like, yeah. They do them really, really well. I think my biggest takeaway from the match itself is uh, just how bloody good Finn Balor is. Um, like, the crowd wasn't particularly hot anymore, um, but then again, they didn't really give them anything to be particularly hot for. Um, But the moment Finn Balor turns it on and ups the pace in a match, it gets everybody behind him so quickly. He just switches off, switches on, um, and just the whole crowd goes with him. It's absolutely incredible to watch. He's such a pro. Um, And yeah, you can just turn that next gear and get everybody involved magically somehow. Um, So yeah, I mean, I don't really have anything else to add on the Pat McAfee stuff than what uh, Hamlet's already said. Like, say, I just want to see that Seven Nation Army pop again because it was so good at WrestleMania. <laughs> then Edge came out and got the reception that you probably assume he's going to get uh, following what went down at WrestleMania. He basically, long story short, called us all idiots yep. and brought out his new stable mate in this new stable. We're still yet to find out the name of what it is. We've pitched quite the variety of names <laughs> ourselves. Uh, it brings out Damian Priest and there's a bit of a love-in between the two of them. You know, oh, you're the best. Oh, no, well, that's only because I've been watching what you do, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. <laughs> AJ Styles comes out to attack because of what happened regarding the distraction that cost him the match with Priest um, and, and allowed Edge to get the victory at WrestleMania. Um, he gets the upper hand initially, but um, Priest stops him from uh, pulling off a concerto on, uh, on Edge. And in the end, officials have to come down and, and separate them and stop Priest and Edge from getting... Uh, some more licks in on AJ Styles and this strikes me as something that's going to lead to what is it I think Priest Styles next week next week and probably something at Wrestlemania Backlash as well I would say so yeah Um, could I have a Diet Coke please thank you very much and that to me is more important right now than uh, talking about Edge and Damian Priest in truth Um, I'm really really thirsty but not for Edge and Damian Priest content some people love it some people love the goth stuff Um, it's not for me, not least because of the ridiculous stuff about it being the fans' fault. It's each and every one of our faults, yet again. This was rote, tropey nonsense. Thank you. Thank you very much. Cheers. The uh, flight attendants are way more over than Edge and <laughs> Damien Priest. To me. Um, I don't know. It's just... it's yeah, No matter how it looks, no matter how the gimmick is, no matter how this might get over in the end, the fact that it's starting with them doing the same WWE heel shtick over and over again just feels a little bit depressing in truth Priest especially is a guy that is probably going to benefit loads from this long term but it already feels empty Um, AJ Styles getting saved by nobody other than a few officials wasn't a great look on him not least when um, Jamie Noble was the one that got the big response as an agent for helping him because apparently AJ's got no mates so it's all well and good that you have a singles match and it's all well and good that he's in a new group there's obviously a lot of rumours um Presuming that Rhea Ripley and Liv Morgan split next week, Liv Mor- that Rhea Ripley's going to join the group. Love Look, that. yeah, it's all pretty good. I, I like a lot of that in theory. I just would like them to apply a little bit more thought and effort to the concept. Yeah, I think the sheer fact that Jamie Noble got a chance and no one else in this <laughs> segment did <laughs> uh, says quite a lot about it. It's really struggling to find its feet, this sort of edge heel turn and the new stable kind of thing. Um, it's just, I don't know if it needs just a bit more focus. I don't know how many times we can go through, like you say, the, oh, it's all your fault, the fans, for not liking me, blah, 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 kind of stuff in WWE that they've just done over and over and over, and it just feels so lazy and worn out. 
Um, I'm excited for the possibilities of it though, with Edge and Damien Priest together. I think Damien, it's a great thing for Damien Priest. Um, and I really hope it works out in the long run. The, the options of putting Rhea Ripley in or someone else to tag with Priest maybe or something. There's, like, there's a lot that you can do there um, going forwards. But it just needs a bit more focus. It needs like an actual sort of reason behind it, a drive behind it, and something for us to actually get on board with that isn't just, ooh, you fans are crap, we're great, blah, blah, blah. Then we got the uh, Street Profits versus Alpha Academy. Choose, please. Thank you. It's woken about three people we're, up on the flight. There. We are on a commercial flight. <laughs> <at a robot. laughs> I want to give a shout as well to Postman Pierce. And I know a lot of the time when we, we have a go at what his decision-making things are, that's not his fault. We all know that. But we're in Dallas, Texas, and he makes the match, a Texas Tornado match. Great stuff. Love that. And uh, Montez Ford is just... It's just incredible to witness live. That flip dive he does over the turnbuckle is even more impressive in person. We got all we want tables chant, and I thought, yeah, you'll be bloody lucky. And then we got tables. It was great. Um, a really enjoyable uh, match, this, I thought. We all know how well these four can work together, whether it's in, in this scenario, whether you make it you know, a six-man with uh, the tag titles on the line. I think we all agree that Street Profits are being realign to, to challenge RK Bro and we're not really sure what position they are. You know, they're you know generally still received as baby faces, but I think that turn or, or at least more of an edge to them is, is coming. And uh, yeah the finish saw a huge Montez Ford frog splash onto Gable through a table for the one two three. This was great stuff. Yeah. WWE popcorn match but as far as popcorn matches go when you've got as the penultimate segment on the last sort of thing you're going to do over WrestleMania weekend, I think there's a lot to be said for it. Montez Ford's moves were the best since the one I saw him bust out two feet in front of me at Wally Mania. <laughs> um, he just, again, exudes this incredible physical charisma that I think we see weekly now. It's not that's that's not a hot take or anything. And getting a big table bump is, you know, like the the noise that it's got. It's the, the sensory overload of a cool finish like that. Is the audios, the visuals the emotion, it's all there. And it, it is a bit of shortcut stuff, but, you know, fans have sat through, what, two and three quarter hours of Monday Night Raw at this point. They've got one segment left to go. Everybody knows it's Roman Reigns. This is going to be the last bit of proper televised physicality you're going to get, the dark match notwithstanding. I actually don't mind this as far as purpose-serving Raw matches went. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's well, we've seen it loads of times before, let's face it, but every single time it's been really good because all of these guys are bloody talented. Um, Chad Gable, every time he gets in the ring, I just I love, love watching him. He's just so good and he makes everything look so effortless. It's insane. And like you say, the gigantic frog splash through the table for the finish uh, was a really good touch. And who knew that the fans chanting tables would actually get it? It's a rare thing because they get a little bit carried away fans sometimes and they don't always pay it off, but they did somehow. Um, so it's yeah, a really fun way, like main event match, I guess, of Raw. Um, but it's, it's nothing to sort of write home about. It's a match we've seen before and we'll probably see again. Yeah. Um, but they're always really, really good fun no matter what. Right, here we go then. The main event segment of the Raw after WrestleMania. They've been teasing it all night. We're getting excited. Maybe it's going to be the next challenger to Roman Reigns. Out comes the bloodline. We the ones get thrown up around the building. Well, particularly in my section. Um, and we got a promo uh, after a, it's even longer when you're there in person. A long walk 
to the ring by a bloodline. And yes, there's Hamlet, it's gesticulating in front of me now. We couldn't skip forward on this yeah. one. <laughs> um, but hey, we've got this promo where he, he, you know, he's putting over the success of Roman Reigns and talking about all these records that he's broken and how long he's held the title for and blah, blah, blah. I thought it was quite hilarious that he put over like a 58% increase in Peacock or whatever. I always, we were talking about this afterwards. I always think that's one of the weirdest arguments that yeah. Vincells have of like, well, it's got to be a better company because it's making loads of money. It's like, well, how does that benefit me as a fan of wrestling? <laughs> it doesn't matter anyway. Um, and then the cheeky bastards. Roman Reigns goes, well, if you want to find out what's going to happen next, you have to watch SmackDown. But the way he did it, so that he didn't obviously get booed out of the building, is he did that first and then concluded with acknowledge me, which is the thing people are all looking forward to. So they got the pop for that. Fans in the arena were still already quite happy because we knew we were going to get Cody Rhodes versus Kevin Owens uh, in the dark match. That was really enjoyable, as we mentioned earlier. Um, But that was it. What a load of bollocks this was. Yeah, piss poor. Absolutely piss poor. Um, on a micro level this was lazy like in the extreme um, we have already kind of touched on the idea that this is not the Raw after Wrestlemania that we once knew it to be but when those party atmosphere roars were the norm there would always be some cool surprise or some cool finish or an, in, an implication of what the direction was going to be for the you know whoever was in that main event segment I had a gut feeling I think I might have even said this in the preview I had a gut feeling it would go this way and I didn't want it to of them just thinking nah We've got your money, we've had your time, we've had your travel, we've had your lives for a week, and we can't be arsed anymore. So you're going to get acknowledgement, you're going to get the catchphrase, you can shove your finger in the air, and that's that's your lot. And, and, and you certainly did, Wilbur. It's, you know, like, right, so objectively, I think this was a pretty lame way to end Raw. Subjectively, I'm out on Roman Reigns. Um, I saw enough evidence over two nights to think that this is a far better television character than a live arena one which is fitting because WWE makes content I don't know if I'm going to be on an island of irrelevancy <laughs> running around like Roman does on his holidays but um, yeah I just he all those years ago when he got all that heat as a baby face he's now getting a certain amount of cheers as a heel so I wouldn't argue that he's any more or less effective but despite Paul Heyman's fabulous rundown of his Wikipedia page and the stats <laughs> that made up the last 15 minutes of Raw. And, yeah, people thought, like, look, in the match against Brock Lesnar, people stand there, put the fingers in the air, have a good time with bits of it, and then sit on their hands for the match. They're going to get their hands back out from one of their arses to throw one finger up when it's over. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to take from this character at this point. It's that uh, we've very worryingly almost snapped back straight after WrestleMania to the problem that we were acknowledg- acknowledging last December, which is... This heel character is only as effective as the baby faces you're building. Yeah. And with Brock Lesnar out of the way, we're kind of feeling back looking at that frozen wasteland. I can't, I can't believe I, of all people, am doing this and saying this. Save us, Cody Rhodes? Yes. <laughs> yeah, I think like it just feels like they didn't have a plan in place and they just sent him out there to kill 10 minutes, basically. And that was all it was. I think like during it, we were like looking at the clock and like, oh, it's a big roll, like it's a big show. It's like big, not only in terms of the crowd there and the fans for WrestleMania and everything, it's big in terms of the rating. It normally pops the roll after WrestleMania. Uh, maybe they've got an overrun for it. Maybe something cool's gonna happen at the very, very end and then bang on 10 o'clock or 11 o'clock or whenever it was, it just ended and he wandered up and you're like, oh, that, that was it and I think it brings up a wider point of 
how they're just not booking for potentially hot crowds anymore. Like we were talking about when they used to come over to the UK and they put on yeah. amazing shows because they knew that crowd was going to be super hot. Same going into places like Chicago or New York or whatever, or uh, the war after WrestleMania. Um, like the crowds used to be so so excited for this show they used to be the best roar of the year they used to book for that as well they knew what the crowd was going to be like they gave them something to pop for to really elevate the whole show in general and made it such an exciting time and there was nothing there was none of that the crowd didn't feel that hot it had its few moments but for, a, for like for a rabid fan base that's paid a lot of money to travel mostly to a specific city to go and watch WrestleMania, go and watch the Raw after WrestleMania, they didn't really give them anything, and that's just really sad. Yeah, just a final word on the, the Raw after WrestleMania pamphlet. It's not exactly a hot take, this. It's been something that's been discussed for quite some time, but I think that that is definitive. After this, you know, really, really enjoyable WrestleMania weekend, you know, people all have, you know, different differing opinions on night two, but night one was absolutely, in WWE's own words, stupendous. Mm -hmm. And you go into Raw after WrestleMania and think, you know what, if they really go for it here, this could be a real you know, fork in the road for, for, for WWE. And it wasn't, <laughs> this is a backhander compliment, it wasn't as bad as some recent Raws after WrestleMania. There were still some flashes in there. You had the NXT title changing hands. You had some great matches. You obviously had Cody Rhodes speaking out. You had some uh, returns, debuts, whatever you want to call it. But... Yeah, I think I think it's definitive now, isn't it, Hamlet? The the age-old Raw after WrestleMania is is a thing of the past. Yeah, sadly so as well. Look, I've never been as literally high on Monday Night Raw as I am right now because we're <laughs> thousands of feet in the air. Um, but I wish my emotions could match that. It's sad that um, I, I tweeted words to this effect over the weekend. Night one at WrestleMania felt incredibly special in that the presentation of Cody Rhodes specifically made you feel like you were watching a product that had its finger on the pulse of the wider wrestling landscape rather than just ensconced in the WWE bubble. They wanted us, as of this Raw, to get back in the bubble. I was like, no, no, 52 weeks now, off you go. This is what WWE is, and this is what you're going to watch for the remainder. I don't think that's going to change anytime soon. And maybe from their point of view, that's what they want to do. Maybe they don't want to sell tickets under false pretenses. Maybe they want to just make their content and keep people content. Um... It was just sad, I think. You could feel it in the building. Um, until crowds gathered around you and Simon Miller, they were leaving with a lull, and it would have been nice, I think, to send people home as euphoric as they did on that first night after, uh, after Stone Cold Steve Austin at Delighted Texas. wasn't to be, but don't feel too miserable about it. In hindsight, as a live experience. I will say, they've done something with the, um, the arrangement of the shows, because in terms of an actual experience, it wasn't the worst time I've ever had watching a TV taping. There have been some turgid ones over the past few <laughs> years. It was far from that at the very, very least. But the best I can do to end end the sort of missive on this is to damn them with some faint praise. I didn't really want that as the end of the sort of the WrestleMania weekend experience. But there you go. Yeah, like the day before. Like I was at the Raw after WrestleMania 28 where like Dolph Ziggler was cashing in the money in the bank and the start of the yes movement chance. So I was at the Raw after uh, Mania 29 and the, like the fandangoing and the fans taking over. Like those moments like have lived with me forever because they were so exciting and so special and it used to be like oh it's the road to the roar after wrestlemania because it's such a hot and exciting and fun show and i just miss it i just really really miss it it wasn't a bad show by any stretch but it was just a roar and it should be so much more than that 
So there you have it, the Raw after WrestleMania 38. Do let us know your thoughts on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. Watch so you can follow all three of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. You can follow Phil Chambers at Phil My Chambers. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE, as I said. Make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from for daily wrestling podcasts. A whole load of great stuff on there from the past week we've had here in well not here anymore we're on a plane <laughs> but over in Dallas Texas and just a quick word on on the fans because uh, it's been amazing a phenomenal experience this whole thing and that's not just talking about going to the wrestling shows it's been like as Hamlet alluded to being outside meeting fans filming with you guys uh, and just just really feeling the love and support that we have and uh, and uh, we've we've said it many many occasions over the last few days but genuinely thank you for everything you do for us because without you guys we wouldn't get to do this ridiculous job that we do yeah. um, so thank you if you've uh, listened tweeted came up and got photos with us it was it was a lovely weekend uh, a mad week and uh, we'll probably discuss more of this all the fallout from Wrestlemania <laughs> and uh, maybe even share some stories that we haven't shared yet uh, on Wrestle Culture on Friday so make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling for that but for now this has been probably the weirdest raw review we've ever recorded yeah. um, my thanks to phil to hamlet thank you for joining us and we will see you soon mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for mother's day than whole foods market they're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts start by saving 33 with prime on all body care and candles then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just 9.99 each with prime round out mom's menu with festive rosé irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats come celebrate mother's day at whole foods market Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.